Hello and welcome back to Hawk Talk. I'm Holly. And I'm Jonathan. And we're your hosts for the first season of Hawk Talk. Today, we are joined by another of the amazing athletes here at Cambridge, Ollie Fox. Ollie is a final year medic at Robinson College and has an incredible sporting CV. In December 2018, he was a member of the under 23 GB team at the SPA European Cross Country Championships. And then in March 2019, he raced in the IAAF World Cross Country Championships, finishing 58th. He also competed for Achilles, which is the joint Cambridge and Oxford Athletics Club, against Harvard and Yale in June 2019, and was the only British track winner at that meet. After this, Ollie made the decision to trade in his running spikes for two wheels, and he's now focusing on cycling. We'll come on to the reasons for the switch later on in the podcast, as we think it's really important to let Ollie tell the story himself. So without further ado, welcome Ollie. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm flattered. Well, we're really excited to hear your sporting story as it's quite a unique one. Before we get on to the switch to cycling, can we backtrack a bit and talk about how you got into running? Probably similar to a lot of people in terms of how they get into sport. I started with a local club when I was about eight. Um, and a lot of those local running clubs will point you towards competitions. The school also had a local running league and that's something that we did. And from there, school competitions. Cross country is organised quite well, surprisingly. Uh, so schools enter you into a local competition and the top five or so from that competition will represent the area at the county championships. And the top five or so from that represent the county at the national championships. And then the top five from that will represent England at uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales competition. I think in my first English schools, I finished eighth. So it was in the English team from about 13 and then 15 as well. So then before uni, I was sort of racing like low level international competitions. Uh, there was also, I was also in the junior British team before university as well. So I'd been doing it for years before I came here. But you were still really quite high up then in the running circles before coming to Cambridge. And you, I guess, knew that you were quite good at running. So did that play any part in choosing university? Because I've been doing it for so long, it was basically a, an intrinsic part of my life. Much like sport is for lots of people, you sort of, it becomes integrated into your day-to-day lifestyle. You, you use it as a way to get away from working and away from academics. So yeah, my choice of university was definitely quite heavily influenced by running. So I think I was always thinking about medicine, but did also want to have a university that was strong with running as well. So one of the main things that made me actually apply to Cambridge was the fact that the Cambridge cross country team had done really well in Bucks. And there'd also been quite a few interviews with a couple of Cambridge runners that had made it into some of the, the media for cross country. So that was actually enough to push me towards Cambridge, just because I could see that there were people here who were competing at a high level and therefore assumed that it was, that it was possible to do it. Also, my, my coach was, was always re- really supportive of combining academics with sport because he, he was at Oxford as an undergrad. So that, that kind of made it easier because I knew that you could always combine the two. So yeah, all I really wanted from university was something that I knew I could do sport at the same time it didn't it didn't bother me too much about the actual setup or even the support that the university would give so on that note um, how did you find balancing your running alongside your academics and what were some of the things that helped you achieve that balance so obviously I've been balancing academics 
and sport for my whole time at school. And it was always really important I kept, kept the sport up when I got to university. The first thing I did was actually go on the Hare and Hounds training camp before term started. So as a fresher, I somehow got the had, had the had the confidence to get into a car and drive up to the middle of the I think it was in the Peak District. I, I did it straight after a race. So I drove I, I was in southeast of England. I drove eight hours north in the dark <laughs> and my my sat my sat nav ran out of my, my phone ran out of battery before I was even there and all I knew was that it was somewhere in the middle of the Peak District so I spent like a good a good eight hours driving up there ran out of sat nav and I just like turned left into the Peak District towards uh, towards a place called Hawes and yeah I just drove until I turned up there and knocked on the window hoping that it was it was the Hare and Hounds and not some random group of people yeah I mean the, the first stage to actually balancing academics and running was meeting a group of like-minded people and that's usually something that I think people forget about about in terms of how important that is because it's easy to say oh you balance it by being efficient and you balance it by timetabling your work and whatever that's harder than it sounds to do it in real life but it's a lot easier if you've got a group of people that you can do it with so that was probably the the first thing that I did was meeting people making friends and feeling really welcomed as well. There was, I, I, I've never turned up to a group before and felt as welcomed as I had done there, which is really nice because for quite a few years, when, when you do a lot of sports at school, you're kind of a bit, you can feel a bit weird, a little bit outcast. It was nice to turn up to a group of people who I felt was really welcoming, were on the same level. And yeah, that was, that was the first step to making sure that you could balance things. Uh, the second thing as well was uh, I, I've mentioned like the you know balancing your work and timetabling and planning training sessions and things like that. But I think I think everyone who does sport competitively does that anyway. There's so it wasn't until I started getting support from UCAP in, in fourth year, and that was that was really useful because they're having the support of the uni and feeling like you had the support of the university was just as important. They did a really good job of regularly checking up on me with email um, and helping me organise uh, my training sessions and offering as much physio support as they could and nutritional support, which was really, really useful because it just took away some of the some of the components that you would otherwise have to think about yourself. So that's um, UCAP, meeting like-minded people. And also, so strangely, I had the... I, I say strangely because some people have not had this sort of support but my DOS was really really supportive of the whole sporting thing. He made the fairly like profound point that too much academic work is poisonous uh, but so is too much sport so they're both they both work as antidotes to each other. For an academic DOS to say that is quite quite profound. That's very nice it's really encouraging to hear that you've had so much support there and the UCAP programme in particular, thanks to the incredible generosity of Mark Hansen, really does seem to give elite athletes the support that they need to continue to compete on an international level while studying here at Cambridge. It sounds really fantastic. Could you tell us a little bit more about the competitions that you've done on an international level? I, I mentioned the junior stuff when I was in first year. That was a junior European cross country. And then more recently, the world cross country and the under 23 European cross country. I think the main thing that I, I tended to take from all of those competitions was 
it was always a really humbling experience because when you're when you're competing at home uh, or in the UK you kind of feel quite good like you think you're you think you're good at running because you turn up to these competitions and finish fifth or something and then when you turn up to like the world cross country and it's just incredible how good people are you can't really appreciate their standard until you're actually standing next to them on the start line so yeah i think overall it's a it's a humbling experience the other the other thing as well the best athletes that in all of those events were always from the poorest countries. The Ethiopians and Kenyans in the world cross country were phenomenal. And it's not the people with the best kit, it's not the people with the best equipment or the most money, it's the people who have worked hardest. And I, I think that was a really important learning experience because you, you realise <laughs> how hard you have to work to be good. So um, now we come on to the decision you made back at the end of the 2019 running season to stop running competitively. Would you be able to share with our listeners what went on to lead you to that decision? Yeah, uh, so it's quite a quite a long long story. So I'll try and sort of summarise it. But basically, in my in my first year, first or second year when I was running, I was starting to get really bad abdominal pain. Whenever I went on a run, it was sort of it, it's not just like oh my stomach hurts a bit. I was sort of coming back from a run and lying on my bed for a good couple of hours. <laughs> like in pain and I was also getting really bad diarrhea struggling to eat food properly whenever I ate food it hurt and I don't know I just at the time I thought oh this is fine I'm just training really hard and it's to- it's totally okay to be in this much pain over time things just slowly got worse and worse over like a period of about a year and I started losing weight I was getting really bad night sweats and I thought okay maybe this is probably not just the training and I should probably go and speak to a doctor about it and when they did a load of tests there was my blood test shows that there were there was inflammation going on and so they referred me to have a colonoscopy and when they did that it showed that there was inflammation in my colon and they take biopsies and whatever and it showed that there was Crohn's disease most people probably haven't heard of Crohn's disease. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're all medics, so <laughs> we have heard of it. Um, but sort of an autoimmune condition of your gut. So you, your immune system supposedly attacks your gut and you get lots of inflammation and you can get ulcers and it, it stops your gut functioning as it should and it can be painful. Uh, and that was, that was why I was getting all the symptoms. So initially, in my mind, it was a great thing that I'd be diagnosed with Crohn's disease because it could be treated with something. And I thought, okay, that's great. Now I'll be able to run really fast. To be be fair to me, I did run quite fast once I started being treated. I mean, the nature of Crohn's is that it's not a curable disease. The aim of treatment is to try and control the symptoms as much as possible and control the inflammation. And and also the, the nature of it is that it goes through these periods of getting worse and then getting getting better and then getting worse and then getting better so initially once they started the treatment treatment worked really well and I was fine and then I had another flare during second year which was much worse than the sort of than the first one and sort of incapacitated me for quite a long time they tried steroids and they tried a phase two clinical trial to see if that would help which it, it didn't really at all so they had to escalate my treatment up to combined immunosuppression with azathioprine and infliximab, which then worked well. And throughout most of my third year, getting better. And then fourth year competing at the European Champs and World Champs. 
I think part of the issue was that in order for me to compete properly, I found that I was having to take low-dose steroids on top of the azathioprine and infliximab. Steroids obviously have loads of side effects. You know, if you're on them for a long time, it can give you really nasty side effects. Poor sleep and uh, mood changes. I was, I was really sad for a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a lot of my time on steroids. And I think when I got to the world cross country and I had spent quite a long time taking steroids on and off just so that I could run, I, I sort of thought, is it really rational for me to, to be racing all the time but only being able to race if I'm taking steroids. <laughs> yeah, I think it was when I got to that stage where I thought actually the, the side effects of the steroids are having such a big impact on my life now that it makes sense to try and change my lifestyle so that I don't need to take steroids. Uh, and that was basically what made me shift from running to the cycling. I mean, cycling for some reason just doesn't exacerbate it in the same way. I have no idea why, really. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's probably a physical movement thing like if you've got a bag of inflamed intestines and you like shake it around <laughs> which which is basically what <laughs> what running is then i assume that's i assume that's why it makes it worse in cycling you can just hold it gently and sort of go along so yeah i think it's i think it's a truly physical thing it, it does seem then that actually you turned what might have been seen as a very difficult decision into quite a rational decision. Your your health and your well-being had to come first. Now, of course, your your mental health is quite linked to your sport, and so you you did have to find cycling in order to have that outlet. How have you found cycling so far and, and adjusting to not having running in your life? Basically, as soon as I started cycling, I thought, oh, why why didn't I do this? years ago I would have <laughs> I would have saved myself a lot of years of suffering and <laughs> like unnecessary pain <laughs> if I had started it but I think I, I think that's probably just shows why people do sport in the first place it's usually because usually because we have fairly obsessive personalities we're quite stubborn and we only really like training and pushing ourselves as far as we can so I think I think as soon as I made that change, I realised that it was really important to do something that fits in with your, your situation and your lifestyle and making that as appropriate as you can, rather than always trying to fight back and do something that you think you want to do. In terms of how I found cycling, so I said, I said it's great. As soon as I started, it's you know, really nice to be able to go and push myself and sounds like masochistic, but hurt, hurt myself on the bike without without like exacerbating Crohn's disease. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, coming back and I'm lying on my bed because I'm in pain from cycling, not from Crohn's, which is great. <laughs> but I think the other thing that I've noticed with cycling is that, well, A, people are really, really good at cycling and I'm not as good, so I struggle to keep up with them. But B, you can just keep going on a bike. So when you run, you're limited because your feet really hurt or your, your like calves really hurt. But when you're on the bike, your legs really hurt but you can still sort of go forward. So I think that's the biggest, the biggest change is getting used to how far you can go uh, and getting used to fueling yourself properly and remembering to take food on a six hour ride and things like that. Just wondering, are you doing competitions, setting yourself goals, doing a certain number of miles a week with your cycling? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm treating it in exactly the same way as I did with running. 
I always used to plan six month blocks very broadly. And then every four weeks I do a day by day training plan. And at the end of those four weeks, I check if I've actually responded to the training or not, and then progress for the next four weeks. So I'm doing it exactly the same. And it's a lot easier to train with cycling than running because you can work out your power and use wattage and stuff, which is a lot, a lot more objective than like looking at your watch and saying, oh, I'm running at 12 miles an hour. Because obviously if it's like a tailwind or headwind or something, it makes a big difference. So yeah, and in terms of competitions, I did one, one race, I think, maybe two races. And then COVID happened and races haven't really happened. There have been time trials, but I'm really rubbish at time trialing. And <laughs> I'd quite like to do some road races at some point. The first time I went and did a road race on the bike, they go so fast around the corners. I had to just sit at the back and hope that I didn't crash and, and burn. <laughs> so it's, I, I think part of it is learning how to ride a bike, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, would, I would love to do competitions because I'm probably quite competitive and enjoy doing that sort of thing. Well, it's, uh, it's great to hear that sport still plays such a big part in your life, Ollie. And it's, it's been quite a roller coaster for you, but it's fantastic that you've landed on something that you really enjoy and, like you say, doesn't impact your health and allows you to hurt yourself in ways that are different to the Crohn's. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's, that's really healthy good. Hurt. <laughs> the, the healthy hurt, absolutely. So finally, is, is there anything else that we've missed that you'd like to talk about? I don't think I'm best placed to advise people how to train or live their lives. But I think if, if anyone happens to listen to this who is worried about combining sports and academics, like you can always do it at any stage. If anyone tells you that you can't, then I think they're lying. And as I said, they're both antidotes to each other. So it's worth keeping a balance. I really like that point to end on, that it's the antidote to each other. That's really nice. Thank you, Ollie. So thank you all for listening and tune in next time for our next episode. Ollie, good luck with your cycling and your final year before qualifying as a doctor. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hawk Talk. Please do subscribe so that you're the first to hear about any new episodes. And if you're enjoying them, please think about leaving us a five-star rating and a review so that we can reach as many people as possible. Also check out our Instagrams at Hawks Club Cambridge and at Ospreys Cambridge to see more about life as a light blue athlete.